Hi, welcome to another edition of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the hostile media effect. Um, so this goes back to a study from the 1980s at Stanford. They showed people footage from the Lebanese, or a news report from about the Lebanese Civil War uh, that had to do with the slaughter of Palestinians during that war. And people who were pro-Israel watched the news report and said that it was uh, biased against them, that it was uh, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel. People who were pro-Palestinian, on the other hand, looked at the exact same report and said, yeah, that is against us, it's pro-Israeli, it is anti-Palestinian, right? So two people looking at the exact same report, the exact same content, walking away with completely different interpretations that it was biased against them and their interests. Um, And they even saw objective evidence that it was biased, right? They said how many, you know, if it was a pro-Israel person would say that there were more anti-Israel references in it. A pro-Palestinian person would say there were more anti-Palestinian references in it. Um, Furthermore, they would say that a neutral observer would look at that um, news report and walk away with a uh, negative, you know, viewpoint on their view, right? So someone who is neutral would look at it, and a person who is pro-Palestinian would look at that news report and say, oh, a neutral person would watch this and be against Palestine. A pro-Israeli person would look at the exact same news report and say, you know, an objective observer would watch this report and think, you know, um, Israel is terrible. Um, so... Exact same thing, and people will walk away with uh, a hostile media effect, that the media is hostile to them and their cause. Um, And uh, what's interesting about this is if um, the uh, media was against the other side, right, like just viciously against the other side, like so much so that they could not possibly perceive it as being against themselves, then they would view it as uh, unbiased, not pro them, right? So let's say it was the abortion issue. This was one, this was actual, um, uh, an actual uh, experiment. So they uh, took, you know, uh, abortion reporting and sort of uh, did the same, a similar kind of experiment. And if the abortion reporting was heavily, you know, anti-choice, then someone who was, you know, pro-life would look at that and be, um, oh, that's balanced. Not that's, you know, very biased in favor of pro-life or biased against, you know, choice, they would say, oh, no, it's, it's balanced, it's even, right? And other side too, right? If they were pro-choice and it was very pro, and the, the coverage was very, you know, anti-pro-life, um, they would say, oh, that's balanced, right? So they perceive the, you know, denigration of the other side as balanced. And all of a sudden, you know, things like uh, Fox's uh, uh, motto being um, fair and balanced makes perfect sense, right? That's not a joke. That's not irony. To the people who watch that and who are, you know, anti-liberal, um, they don't see that as anti-liberal. They see it as balanced. They see it as fair. It's even. And it reminds me of studies where they looked at um, gender mixes, right? And if there was something like maybe 20% or 30% women in a room, men would perceive that as being balance, that there were actually 50% of the people in the room were women, right? Even though it's still very much a minority of women in the room, again, because they're walking in with this bias. It's not the exact same bias, but it feels like it's, it's in a similar vein, right? Where you perceive balance when things are basically still favoring you. <laughs> um, uh, and it, it, it's interesting, right? And so you see this in um, all sorts of different arenas of media coverage. So some studies have looked at things like strife in Bosnia or U.S. presidential elections or genetically modified food or climate change or sports. In fact, sports was at the root of this. There's a, um, 
an antecedent of all these experiments called um, They Saw a Game. That was the name of the study. They Saw a Game. And it goes back to 1954, and they showed people a Princeton-Dartmouth football game. I think we may have talked about this in a previous uh, podcast, but basically the people who saw the game who were uh, Princeton fans were like, oh, um, Dartmouth um, committed more fouls. And people who were Dartmouth fans, of course, said Princeton committed more fouls, right? Um, and the objective truth had to be one or the other, right? They can't both be right. But their perception was um, the, the other team did worse, um, did more wrong. So uh, at the end of the day, and, and we've seen several different biases, like confirmation bias or framing effect that all kind of lead to the same conclusion. We, right, meaning the human race, right, um, although Americans especially right now, right, but we look at the same thing, but we do not see the same thing. So never assume, right, if you're looking at something or talking about something, that the person next to you, the person you're talking about it with, actually sees the same thing you do, because they do not. There's not there's not a single experiment to indicate, all right? There's no objective evidence out there that says that people see the same thing when they look at the same thing. So we kind of have to reconfigure how we talk to each other or how we, you know, empathize with each other to understand that we can look at the exact same incident, the exact same news report, and see completely different things. Um, it's important not to walk into those situations assuming, oh, everyone sees things the way I do, or not even sees things the way I do. That implies, like, a some kind of bias. No, that people see what I consider objective reality, right? What I consider to just be obvious, self-evident, right? Um, there is no such thing as self-evident, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, everyone's going to see things differently, even if it seems like it's impossible to see something different. Um so this is uh, uh, there's a lot of implications of this. So um, this is where we get things like fake news, right? Like the the root the reason fake news is so potent uh, is because it feeds into that notion of I will look at a thing and rather than judge it based on some kind of objective you know fact right that I can point to and say okay well this is true or not because I can point to the source and say like yep I went there and that's exactly what happens or I talked to a witness and that's exactly what happens whatever whatever your your source no it's well what do I believe does it align with what I believe and this is the the confirmation bias piece of um hostile media effect um so if you call something fake news right all someone's going to say is well you're calling it fake news because you work for the other side right that's hostile media you're hostile to my point of view so you're going to call something that supports my point of view fake right um, or that uh, goes against my opponent, you're going to call that fake. Well, that's because you're biased, right? I'm not biased, you're biased, um, which is a whole other bias. Um, but um, but that's, that, that's, where, that's why fake news works so well as a way to just sort of dismiss any alternative point of view. Um, and the problem with this is there's literally nothing, right? There's no objective occurrence that can happen, no fact that can make itself apparent that will change the other person's mind once they've bought into their side, right? So think of uh, doomsday cults, right? That say the world is going to end on May 5th, 1988, right? May 5th, 1988 rolls along and all of a sudden we make it all the way to May 6th. What do they say? Oh, I was wrong, right? People never say I was wrong. Like that's another word for this bias, right? Instead, they say, oh, we did the math wrong. Um, it's actually going to end on May 9th, 1999. So get ready, right? And if that date rolls along and the world doesn't end, guess what's going to happen next, right? There's no point at which we stop and say, oh, right, reality. No, we don't because we think we already have reality. We think we already have a grasp on it. So there's no point at which reality is going to suddenly present itself because, well, we're already there. Um, and uh, there was a while... Um, Toward the beginning of the year, I sort of had hope around uh, like the whole fake news thing where Facebook was going to start to um, put in algorithms 
that we're able to call out, okay, look, this source is unverified. And you could sort of report out if someone was posting a news story to Facebook that, hey, this is fake news. Like, literally, we've done the math, like the literal math. There's an algorithm that says this is probably not very well verified. Um, so that doesn't work. In fact, when you do that, when you call out fake news, right, um, you can find that it increases click-through rates, right? <laughs> so this is problematic. So, um, uh, but the reason that is, right, is because calling something fake news doesn't tell me, right, the biased, the, the hostile media effect influenced person not to click on it. It actually tells me, oh, um, I don't trust you, right? You're calling it fake news because you have some sort of agenda, um, it, it's, 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 it's hostile media effect all the way down. There's no point at which I can point to the thing and say, oh, I trust you, like, right? Unless it is, in fact, um, something that aligns with my belief. Because it's the belief I'm trusting, not the news source. Um, and this is all wrapped up in uh, an identity, right? That um, the stronger the belief, the, the stronger the bias. So they've looked at these um, situations, and if, some, if it's an issue that someone's actually involved in, um, or, a situ or a, an issue where they have really strong partisan beliefs, the hostile media effect is going to be even stronger. And a lot of that, again, comes back to identity. I think we may have talked before about how when you attack someone's... Uh, when, you, when, you, when you present evidence um, that denigrates a political leader that someone really believes in, the part of their brain that lights up is uh, the part that deals with identity, right? Um, it's not the person you're attacking, it's them. So if I say bad things about Trump, I'm saying bad things about the Trump supporter, right? To the Trump supporter, they're saying, you're not, you're not attacking Trump, you're attacking me, right? Um, you're not attacking my political beef, you're attacking me. So this is a really strongly held um, bias because the hostile media effect is basically not just saying, hey, you're hostile to, media is hostile to my point of view, media is hostile to me personally, right? It's out to get me. Um, and this is where you get things like knowledge tribes, right, that, you know, the internet is sort of balkanizing and you get people sort of like grouping around. These are the things that I believe and I'm only going to look at media that supports that. Well, also any other media out there, I'm just going to assume is against me. And so it makes these knowledge tribes be like the tribe part of it really resonate because it really is a sense of identity. Like it's something that you belong to. It's this set of beliefs. Um, and as we talked about before with the framing effect, right? It isn't that I'm looking at this news story, looking for some kind of objective truth. It's I've already decided what I believe. I, the frame is already on me. I don't even know it's there. Like I said, to me, it's indistinguishable from reality. It's not some skew I have in reality. No, it is reality. So when I see the thing and I say, oh, that's clearly saying that my beliefs, trying to say that my beliefs are wrong, it's biased against me, it, so it sounds like a perfectly rational thing to say. Um, and uh, they've started to do studies, not surprisingly, right, around what sort of impact this has, right, on larger society. And one of the things they're looking at, um, you know, scary to say, is attitudes towards democratic institutions, right? Like, that's sort of the, the bigger outsized fear people have of our current political state. You know, it's not just about Trump. It's not just about, you know, any particular person in power. It's about what happens when people just don't believe the news. People just don't agree on reality. Because a democracy relies pretty heavily <laughs> on a common understanding of certain like core assumptions, right? Like the words self-evident appear, <laughs> right? Um, in the uh, in the Declaration of Independence. So if we can't agree that anything is self-evident, how are we going to vote, right? <laughs> and if we vote, how are we going to agree that the outcome was valid, 
right? Like, that's why it was so dangerous when Trump wasn't saying for sure if he would uh, abide by the outcome of the election if it didn't go his way, right? Like, there are reasons. It's not just being persnickety, right? There are reasons we want people to agree to those things because when you don't, you will not have to do a lot of Googling to find out what happens when an election um, goes away that an opponent doesn't like uh, and they dispute it with violent means, right? We've seen this in Kenya. We've seen this in lots of places. Um, it's actually kind of remarkable that we have elections that go smoothly. Um, so it seems like, you know, an outsized, like, reaction to uh, what, what seems like a fairly harmless bias. But that's the thing. It's really not a harmless bias when you scale it. The hostile media effect describes our world today in pretty stark terms and has pretty strong implications for the future. So... Um, that's uh, why I wanted to talk about it, among other things. Um, but uh, that is all for uh, this week, and uh, we will uh, see you next week for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I am David Dylan Thomas.